0: And it's Steve Tasker who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual-role player for you. Steve. A balloon. Steve. A blimp. (laughs) We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. Kicking it off for you here on a Tuesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, back with you here on One Bills Live. Another day of practice for the Bills as they were back on the field after a day off. Yesterday and Steve and I back together after a few days apart, uh last Thursday and Friday, and then yesterday as well. So good to be back in our respective saddles together. How was your weekend?
1: Great, it was great. Yeah, well, an extra day too. I had, I was a you got an extra day tournament. at the golf tournament yesterday. Yef- yesterday, great touch and base Packed, with the Tony right? guys. Packed. I, Bruce was there out there yesterday, and actually he was here today as well. So yep. I got a chance to talk with him. I'm, you know Jimmy Richer, Chris Moore, uh John Kidd. John Kidd was staying at the house with us. Um, Andrew Catalan stays at our house when he's in town when we're doing the games together. Um so they've been we've been doing that long enough now that they have friends that live here that aren't me. <laughs> so we get together with all those guys. <laughs> we get to guys. know the neighborhood people. Right, right. So we get together with all those guys too and and uh it was nice. So it was a nice weekend. The Bills nice win on Saturday. Uh Some little raggedy stuff, and then also some really good stuff as well. So it was um, as you would think an up and down preseason game, which you always get, and um, spectacular weather all weekend. So we're we're kind of into the elite weather now of Western New York, where it's going to be from here all the way through. I think, and hopefully, you know, like for all of us, the end of October or so that Mm -hmm. it'll be spectacular here.
0: As you know, I dropped my son off at the University of Georgia last weekend. You've done it five times. This is only my second time. I have to tell you, the school pride there at the University of Georgia, very reminiscent of Bill's Mafia. Really? Everyone's got Georgia gear on on campus, no matter who you talk to about whatever subject. You could be looking for directions on campus, where you want to park. Every conversation ends with Oh, yeah, happy to help you. Go, dogs. Yeah. Everything ends with go, go, do- not go, go dogs. go Bills, go dogs. So it's yeah. just like Bills Mafia. Them. Like when you see somebody wearing Bills gear that you pass on the street, you say, go Bills. I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of – it's the
1: same thing there. It's interesting you mentioned that too. Uh, we were out – before the game on Saturday, we were out getting some breakfast, you know, early in the morning before we went over to the stadium and started in on that day. And Andrew Catalan, the play-by-play, he goes around with CBS. He works with James Lofton in the booth for CBS, the job right. I did for all yep. those years. yep. And so uh, they they go to all NFL cities at some point, just like I did. And and uh, he was saying, you know, I got to tell you, it's unbelievable here in Buffalo. I go, what yeah. do you mean? He goes, everybody has got on Bill's gear. Yep, every he goes. That's why everybody. I, that's we were, at a, I we was were at a farmers mar- we were at a farmers market, and it yeah, it looked like a team meeting. <laughs> you know what I mean? And because it was a game day, but yeah. it was a game day. But I'm telling still you, he goes, I've. It's just like that in Athens. Yeah. Everybody's got red
0: or black on yeah. for Georgia. It's and I know it's the SEC. They're football nuts down there. It is full on. So yeah, I,
1: it's good stuff. I
0: had a picture of my son's dorm after he got it all uh-huh. decorated. So he's now part of both crews. I don't know if they what they call the Georgia fans. I don't know if there's a moniker for them. If you know it, tweet it at me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so he's got his Georgia flag up on the wall. Go dogs. And then under his bed is the Bills flag prominently yeah. displayed behind his futon. So
1: everybody sits there's a, yeah, there's a couch there. He's got it right behind the couch. Yeah. He's, but, yeah. So
0: he's ready to roll. Um, he's even got a Georgia shirt on in the dang picture. So everybody's wearing Georgia gear there all the time. It's well. just like Bills Mafia, I am telling you. Now, here's a funny story that I wanted to share with you, Steve. So uh, I was talking about the long drive back from down there, right? Back to Buffalo. It's like 13 and a half hours. So. We're driving up through West Virginia into Southern Ohio, and we're on the I-77. We go right by Canton, Ohio, and you know the Pro Football Hall of Fame is right on the side of the road. Right. It's right on the highway. Exactly. Like You can see it. So we're driving back home, and my daughter's in the car because she helped us move him in. So it's my daughter and my wife in the car, and we're driving by. I said, oh, yeah, and my daughter doesn't care one iota about football. Like right. nothing. But I figure, we're passing it. Let me just at least point it out to her, like, hey, here's the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You're driving right past it. So I point it out to her and she goes, Oh yeah, look at that. She goes I think we'd only stop if they put Steve in there. Then we would stop. That's what she said. <laughs> had a girl, she said, if we if Steve was in there, maybe <laughs> we would have stopped. But we're gonna keep on going. So I I uh I was I was pleased with her awareness because well, nice. there isn't much about football that she cares that's about. Nice. There you um, go. Meanwhile, my wife's memory of Canton is being dragged to the Hall of Fame. That's her words. Dragged, dragged. Yeah. to the Hall of Fame as as a young swimming competitor because they used to have swim events, I guess, in Canton a lot right. some of the local colleges there. And so they, she'd get dragged over there on off days during the competition. She goes, I said, how many times do you think you've been there? She goes, probably eight to ten times. Really? From ages like oh my eight to 14. Like every year they're down there. Right. I've been here. I've seen it. Don't want to see it again. Yeah. Um, so that was funny. Uh, I was hoping I could get down there for a game during the Bills' bye week. Georgia's bye week is the same week.
1: Oh, really? As the Bills. Oh, that's <laughs> – let me just tell you. I. It's true. We had that dilemma for – With Luke? And yeah, Cornell. decades. Decades. Cornell, at, for me, when I was playing, when's my bye week? Because we could go take a little weekend trip, yeah. go visit my family, or have them come up. You, you do things, right. right, on that bye week. I don't remember ever having a bye week fall on the exact weekend you needed it to. Yeah. Not a single, not in the, not, they didn't start having, they didn't have it in 85 when I came in, yeah. but when they did start having, everybody, you always think, you always think at some point that bye week's going to be perfect. No, it yeah. has never been perfect. Not in the, not in the 32 years they've had a bye. Yeah. It's never been perfect.
0: Uh, NFL news and notes. The Bills roster is down to 84 players. They had to get down to 85, Steve, by 4 p.m. today. They did that in plenty of time, releasing two players this morning. They cut linebacker Markel Lee and cornerback Tim Harris. Both players had largely been deeply buried on the depth chart, and with the emergence of players like rookies Terrell Bernard and Balen Spector and Christian Benford, there was – Little hope, I think, of Lee or Harris making the 53-man roster. So the roster had to get to 85. It's at 84 right now. And there is another cut down coming up here soon where they have to get down to 80 before the big cut down to 53, uh, which is going to be a chore because there is some Positions, and we'll talk more about this when we get into our topic of the show today. That we're going to be looking for responses from you for, but um, there there are some there is some depth at positions that I don't know if people thought there would be going into training camp, but very quickly we are realizing there are going to be some, maybe even more than we anticipated, more players clipped off this roster that are going to wind up on other rosters because I think most notably deep and talented corner,
1: yeah linebacker, the ones you just mentioned. Um, and I think I think they're going to have an issue at running back. It's hard to see them jettisoning into the guys that have been, they've had in there yet, even all the way down to Blackshear, the running back, right? So yep. probably the most unproven guy in the room. Um, I'm really interested to see what they do with this roster. Certainly, uh, unfortunately, I think it's going to get poached. I mean, the minute they try and put together their practice squad, yeah. some of these players are going to be gone. And, now, they're, and they're not going to go from the Bills practice squad over to the Bengals practice squad or the Chiefs practice squad. They're going to go on the well, roster. What happened
0: last year. I mean, if you remember last year, their seventh-round pick, Jack Anderson, the offensive lineman, got poached by the Philadelphia Eagles, signed to the 53-man roster exactly. outright. Right. Uh, McLeod, Nick McLeod, as an undrafted rookie, got poached by the Cincinnati Bengals, put on their 53-man roster. So fortunately they got McLeod back after he got released late in the season by Cincinnati. But yeah, the bills roster got poached even last year. And I would mm-hmm. anticipate the same thing is going to happen, especially because Steve, you've got a personnel department working for the New York giants. Now that knows a lot of these right. players intimately, right? Like not even a second thought. They'll just say who, who got put on waivers well, from the bills sign him right now, put in a claim.
1: And here's the thing it's it's, like every industry, you got these people that go out and they saying, "How do you do it? And how do you do it? And how do you do it? And who's the most successful? And what are your best things that you do? The best best practices." Yeah. Then you get a, a a team like the Bills who skyrockets to the elite status in the league, who's the Super Bowl favorite with an MVP caliber quarterback who started from, <laughs> let's just say, ground zero when they showed up in cap jail. You know, poor roster, no stars, no quarterback. And now they're where they are. Yeah, all of a sudden, their assistant GM Joe Shane goes to the New York Football Giants, brings the offensive coordinator with him. That's the way it works. Yeah, and they bring a lot of the same techniques and thought processes to the way they vet their think vet their players. And I think that's as imp- that's one of the most important aspects of this whole exercise is how they find out what they need to know about these players before they sign them what they're going to be like after they sign what gets them what makes them tick and that way you've had guys that will sign you for we'll sign them for now but you've got to do this and this or otherwise you're not going to work out yeah they, they're bluntly honest your personality is this you need to do this you need to do that they, they are it's unbelievable how they treat these guys and find out what makes them tick and how important that is. The game demands everything, and if you're not willing to give it everything, you're not the guy they want. They may tolerate you for a minute, but they're going to replace you. So today, the
0: roster by 4 p.m. had to get down to 85. As we told you, the Bills are at 84. A week from today, August 23rd, the roster has to be reduced to 80 players by 4 p.m. So a week from today, they've got to move four more players off of their current roster as it stands. And then a week after that is the big cut down to 53. So some roster moves to be made in the coming weeks, some larger than others, obviously two weeks from now, as opposed to next week where they just have to take a few players and move them off the roster. So we'll see what decisions are made. Obviously the second preseason game will be a big factor in that equation, as was presumably this first preseason game this past week. So that's kind of where it stands with respect to, To the Bills roster, joint practices today, Steve, between the Patriots and Panthers did not go very well. It featured multiple fights and players on both teams kicked off the field. In one incident, Patriots receivers Kendrick Bourne and Christian Wilkerson got into it with Panthers defensive back Kenny Robinson. All three players kicked out of practice for fighting. Other players got involved as well although they weren't sent off. Not long after that, another brawl started, and Patriots offensive lineman James Ferentz was booted, along with Panthers defensive tackle Phil Hoskins, at, po- at which point in time both Matt Rule and Bill Belichick started barking at their players, hey, knock off, the, knock off that crap, none of this crap, that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, things got a little out of control there. And we're not productive. I do have to say, Steve, when we went down to the Bills-Panthers joint practices in 2019 in Spartanburg, South Carolina, there was not a single incident. I think there might have been like one little shoving match, and that was it. Yeah. it was, And it was intense competition, but nobody blew their stack. And you remember how hot it was? Remember when we were down there for that? It was yeah. like 110 was, on the field. Oh my
1: gosh! It was. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was, it was like, like a, in the 90s I think it was like, the whole week. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it was 137 <laughs> degrees. Heat index. Are we
0: practicing on
1: the sun? What <laughs> the, the hell happened? On the surface here? of the sun. Um, yeah, I'll say this: when you get a lot of fights like that, and I don't know, to me. It's not the sign of a good football team. You've got a lot of guys who believe they've got they can't be embarrassed on a rep. They, you've got a lot of guys who believe that you know they can't look bad in this practice. You got a lot of guys who are trying to make it by overachieving, you know, and being that guy that really sets the tone for the team. You know, they got a lot of guys going outside of what you would normally have at a practice, either. Because they can't keep up or they get embarrassed and it keeps happening and happening and happening and they lose their mind. Um, it's not the sign of a good football team. You can say, yeah, they're trying to tough, they're trying to set the tone. No, that's not what it is to me. Somebody's getting embarrassed out there. And that's that's what sets these guys off. Yeah, Or they feel like they're getting cheated. They're they're letting them cheat. And, all, yeah. and, and you see that a lot. Holding you know, holding yeah. and all of that. So maybe, but I'm telling you, it's it's not good. It doesn't it doesn't mean they're tough and fiery and competitive. Come on, please.
0: Uh, in other AFC East News, Jets quarterback Zach Wilson is having the surgery or the scope on his knee injury, suffered a torn meniscus in last week's preseason game. Having surgery today out in California, it's a simple procedure. He's got a torn meniscus in his knee. It's not damaged to the point where they have to do major surgery. He's got a piece of his meniscus hanging off. They just have to go in and snip that thing. And then he's got a two- to four-week recovery. Non-contact injury, and fortunate for the Jets, only out two to four weeks. So that's good news for him. Meanwhile, and this is a bit of housekeeping because this happened over the weekend, but the Jets did sign veteran tackle Dwayne Brown. As we remember, he had made a visit. Um, to Jets camp, and with Makai Becton now out for the season with a knee injury, the Jets ramped up their efforts to get the 36-year-old signed. They signed him to a two-year contract, Steve, Dwayne Brown. He's 36, um, but I think it speaks to how desperately they needed a veteran tackle to kind yeah. of fill the void there. The question now is, Dwayne Brown, who has been a left tackle almost his entire career, is he going to play on the left side, at age 36, and force George Fant, the projected starting left tackle, to flip over the right side for the Jets? Or does Dwayne Brown slide in at right tackle and they don't change anything else? That's going to be what's interesting to see as far as the, how the Jets go going yeah. into this.
1: Well, I'll, and they'll probably feel their way around. Dwayne Brown, I mean, if if, if Dwayne Brown was going to sign this year at the age of 36, and I don't know, Brownie, maybe you know more about him than I do. Most of the time you do that for a guy – you hope he takes half the snaps in one or two games.
0: Oh, I. I you know I what I mean? I think they're expecting more from
1: him. Oh, though. I know, I know. But he's 36. Yeah. Now. And he's an old 30. Steve, right, now. He turns 37 I at know. the end of the month. Right. So now they, they got him. Day. They signed him into a two year deal, hoping he's got a year left in him. Yeah. Yeah. And then next year, maybe he can be the guy that takes half the snaps in three games. You know what I mean? Finishes some games for some guys. You know what I'm saying? Right. But – Like he's a stopgap guy next year. Swing tackle next year. You know, just at the end of his career, he's, you know, just fills in, gets him out of a game, you know? I don't know. That's – that's a lot to ask of a guy. Yeah. Come in just off the street. All right, here you go. Now I get it. He's been he's a guy. He's a player. That guy can go. He was a he was a a big time tackle in the NFL. Yep. Um I don't know how much he's got left, but the Jets are gonna see. I, I he won't be if he plays and he's hundred percent stays healthy and all that, he won't be their worst offensive lineman. Yeah. By any stretch. Vera Tucker's a good player and all that. Yep. But you know, we'll see.
0: George Fant's a decent tackle. Not great, but he's decent. Um,
1: if so yeah. Brown is feeling, fr- I mean, the first couple of weeks he's going to look like a world beater. Oh yeah, right. How's he going to look at week sixteen? <laughs> let's see. Yeah, let's see. What? No, let's see. I turns thirty-seven no, no, no. in two weeks. Let's see. How no, week four. Let's see how he looks. Week that, four. Listen, you, you don't, don't even have him getting October, dude. You have no <laughs> idea how hard it is. <laughs> oh, it is I don't. hard, man. I don't, and I won't th- pretend and, that I do. And believe me, if he goes to week three and the Jets are Oh, and three. He's gonna hurt. Mm. So I, yeah, I'm. Speaking of
0: uh, hurting, Steve. Last note from the AFC East. Practice not going all that well for Dolphins quarterbacks today, <laughs> at training camp practice. Down there, where do they practice? Davy? No, Miami Gardens. They practice right at their regular facility. Not one, not two, not three. Not four, not five, (laughs) but six interceptions thrown by Dolphins quarterbacks in a single practice today. Now, look, I'll be the first person to say the best part of the Miami Dolphins is their defense. And I I think they're going to be counting on their defense to carry them through the first couple of weeks. While this offense gets up to speed under a new coach, the defensive system remains the same, the defensive coordinator remains the same, and a lot of their talent is coming back as well. And it's a good group. Um, but six interceptions in one practice by the Dolphins' quarterbacks, three of which were thrown by Tua
1: Tonga Vailoa. Hmm. Well, and I, I'm I have a hard time. Well, we're not hard, there. We don't see. I'm not there. I, I, I'm not at the point where I'm going to start busting these guys up for throwing picks in training camp. It's just. You never know what they're trying yeah. to install. You never know what the defense right. is trying to install. You never know. Josh had a couple today, right? Josh threw a couple today, and you never know. And like today, you never know where they were, whether they were red zone picks or where they were tipped interceptions or what, all that stuff. I have a hard time. Six is a lot, though. It, it is. I will. That's true. But you know, I'm not really that into the statistics in practice. So right. I get it. It's not. It can't be good, but I'm not gonna pound on Tua's head over throwing interceptions in in a training camp practice. Um, Like I said, we were sitting there today, and Josh threw a couple, and it was you know they were they were working on tight end zone, red zone stuff. Receiver goes the wrong way, pick you know that kind of thing. So, and they even. Yeah, even their body language at, at Bills camp was like ah, you know they were kind of like oh yeah we should have done that yeah, and they were like all over it's kind of a it was a kind of a thing where it's like oh that's going to help them because now they got a conversation about something specific. But yeah, I people up here love pounding on Tua. It's, yeah. and it's uh, it feels good. I mean I got to admit, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But there's Micah Hyde. Oh, he had one of them today. Right. I don't know who – did Josh throw that or was that – Yes. Yeah. So, I, you know, some of them look bad, like that one. I mean, this one come, that comes out of nowhere, and I – you know, Micah picks it off. It's not a big deal. Yeah, probably not. You're supposed to throw – you throw those in.
0: Doesn't take away the fun of mentioning it, though.
1: No, it doesn't. Six it doesn't picks doesn't by do Dolphins six. quarterbacks in practice today.
0: Um, there was a bit of – News out of Pittsburgh concerning the quarterback competition. Mitchell Trubisky, still seen as the projected starter, but both Mason Rudolph and top pick Kenny Pickett performed well in the Steelers' preseason opener. Pickett, 13-15 for 95 yards, led the game-winning touchdown drive. Of course, it was against third stringers. It's going to be interesting to see which way that thing goes. Um, You know, going into the next preseason game, who performs well, etc., etc., I mean, it's not like – I'm very curious how Mike Tomlin views this. You know what I mean? Because right. he's in a division where you presumably have Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, and Lamar Jackson. <laughs> like, you better get the quarterback decision right playing in that division because right now you've got the fourth-best situation in your division at, your, at the most important position on the field, no matter who it is. Pickett, Rudolph, or Trubisky, you're fourth yeah. at that position. So you better be 100% sure you got the best guy possible starting because it's going to be a battle for all six well, of your division games alone. Forget yeah.
1: about who else you got to play. Not only You're obviously going to have the best guy you can get possible, but it's going to be one of these three guys. And even if one of these three guys is the best guy you've got, they're not going to be anything but the fourth guy. Right. Right even if as good as, as good as pickett looked the other night and he did folks he looked really good so did George Pickens by the way remember the Georgia receiver we talked about yeah, right with, so did. anyway that he looked really good but like you said I mean it was who was he playing but there's going to be they've got to get some play out of that now I, I like Mike Tomlin and we've said it a lot he's never had a losing season as Steelers head coach never yeah. And maybe it'll happen someday. But I'll say this, it's going to be close no matter how you slice it.
0: Yeah, and I'm just saying the reason he's got to get it right, it's a difficult thing to pin down because this is the first time he's been around Kenny Pickett on a daily basis. It's the first time he's been around Mitchell Trubisky on a daily basis. Right. I mean, he you knows Mason Rudolph probably inside and out. But he's still learning about these other two guys, and he's going to have to make a call on who his starter is in the next week and a half to make sure that guy's ready for this. the opener. So you better be right with the decision that you make. I mean, you can always change it, but that always sets your team back then because now you're shifting gears, new guy. Yeah,
1: I mean, let's face it, this is between Trubisky and Pickett. Mason Rudolph has no shot yeah. at starting for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those two other guys are. Yeah, they brought him in. You, they you, brought him in with Mason Rudolph already on their roster.
0: And if you go with Pickett and you're banking on upside, you have to expect there to be growing pains too. And now you're really kind of setting yourself up to be fourth in the AFC North.
1: Yeah, unless you can minimize his mistakes, which you know that's what you always do as a for a young quarterback. Yeah. Before you start, before you start trying to you know swing for the fence with a young quarterback, you, you want to get them to where they don't make the catastrophic mistake, a la Nathan Peterman kind of thing right Right. so
0: who's still in the league by the way
1: (laughs) there's something we that's a different that's a that's a twitter poll right there okay but uh, (laughs) um that's unbelievable (laughs) think about that I, i can't think about it now we're on other things but pittsburgh their quarterback situation is fourth in the afc north but I am there to me a little bit like we've all kind of come to think about the Patriots. You never count those jokers. Yes.
0: I would agree with that. Um, Speaking of quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson made a statement of sorts over the weekend, basically said he wants a contract extension done by week one. Doesn't want to negotiate after that point, which I guess when you represent yourself, that kind of makes sense to me. It would be a major distraction after the season already started. So, We've, we've got some we parameters now well, on what has schedule. been a very quiet behind the scenes. They might not be negotiating at all. I don't know. I would assume but they, may they are. They talk every day, too. Who knows? I, I would assume they are. This is too important to not get right for the Ravens. You know what, what mean? The, Yeah, but
1: here's the thing. We have heard, like, nothing. I know. It's been... Crickets. So I don't – we got – wasn't there a – It's hard to know if stuff is happening or not happening. Wasn't there a report months ago or weeks ago about something that the Ravens had offered or some ballpark figures that they were talking about that Lamar said no to? But we never heard any – we have never heard anything about what Lamar wants. Yeah. He's –
0: I don't – know him very well, and we obviously haven't been around him because we don't cover the Ravens. But I just get this sense that he keeps a lot of this that kind of stuff close to the vest. Like, he doesn't talk to anybody, not even his inner circle of people, maybe with the exception of his mom, yeah. who helps to represent him. He, he and his mom are his agents, basically.
1: He – yes, that's right. And I just – yeah, he's not – because you know, if he spoke to his buddy and his wh- whoever hangs around him, all his close, like you say, his closing inner circle, I'd get, it's getting out what he wants. Right. His agents. But sir- we haven't seen that. His he, yeah. If he had an agent.
0: Oh yeah. That'll this will let
1: you know how much agents have to do with what gets out and yeah. about back channel stuff. Back channel right. stuff. Since he doesn't have an agent, none of this ever gets out. Yep. And agents don't just do it to do it; they do it for a reason. Because, as an agent, you got to say you got Mahomes deal or Josh Allen's deal, well, that's right? Because
0: an agent already always has an agenda. He's got to get stuff. done
1: Well, for plus two. Here's the thing, too. You want to you want to float it out there from some obscure source and take the temperature of the room. Yeah. What's well, everybody think about this? As an agent, you don't want to go out there and say, "Here, here's our deal. We love it. It's awesome," and everybody's going, <laughs> "You're an idiot." You settle for half of what anybody else was asked—that kind of thing. Yeah. They don't want to be embarrassed, so an agent will float that out there for that reason. But they'll also float it out there as public sentiment to get the fans talking about it. Sign them already, right? Yeah, that kind—they're saying this is ridiculous that they haven't signed them. Yeah. So there's reasons they do that, but that's that's agent reasons. Mm-hmm. It's not player reasons.
0: Interesting news item here. This one reported by ESPN's Adam Schefter. Our good friend Jordan Palmer, who has been on the show, he's Josh Allen's offseason quarterbacks guru, uh, also has clients like Sam Darnold, Joe Burrow, among others. Jordan Palmer has joined the XFL as its director of quarterback development. How about that? Good that's a nice Jordan. title. Good for Jordan. And, you know, that's a smart move by the XFL, too, because – this, These leagues, like the XFL and the USFL, that are going to be playing in the spring, I think if anybody watched the USFL this past offseason, you can roundly conclude that the level of football is a step or two, maybe more, below what we see on a weekly basis in the NFL. It is a league that needs to develop players to make the quality of their on-field product better most importantly at the quarterback position. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the XFL sets up with Jordan Palmer leading it, you know, from a, like, does he, are they going to send all the quarterbacks to Jordan Palmer at his QB summit thing that he runs? I I think that could very well be the case. And he tries to equip them with the tools to be better players. And then hopefully the, the product on the field for the XFL is better as a result. He's not a quarterback coach for one team. He's the director of
1: quarterback development for the league. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll say this: I, when I turn the XFL on, if for only a few minutes, I turn it off pretty quickly because I don't know anybody.
0: Well, right.
1: I don't. I don't know a single player on any team. Not not even the QBs. The QBs yeah. maybe once in a while will like. Ah, did I have, have I heard of
0: that? Have guy? I
1: heard of that guy? I <laughs> seriously have to go through those hoops. I'm not doing that watching football. Right. Um, the NFL is a star-driven league, as is every professional sport. You you know you tune in for LeBron and KD, Steph in the NBA. Football's no different, except there's a mm-hmm. bunch more guys, and you need a lot more of them to to win, right? So you turn on those other leagues, and it's like, who are these guys? And what's the name of this guy's? What's the name of this team? What's the logo? What I can't see the logo on the helmet. What's it look like? What is it? Yeah, you know. <laughs> it's So, as good as it sounds like, wow, we're going to have more football, the NFL's got the bar pretty high for what we're looking at, right? Oh, yeah. The, the bar is high for football in America. People know what they're looking at, and they know what they're not seeing. They miss it.
0: Well, it's at least an attempt to raise the level of their product by getting a guy who has... Jettison some quarterbacks into superstardom. When you think about what Josh Allen has done in the last three years and what Joe Burrow did last year in yeah. his second season, in the league coming off an ACL injury. So the proof is in the pudding. So good for Jordan. Congrats to him. Right. We have to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to bring you some comments from offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, who addressed the media prior to today's practice. He had some thoughts on how he has felt up in the booth. He was up there for the blue and red practice here at the stadium. He was also up there last week for the first preseason game. What did he think about it? You'll find out next here on One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a Tuesday, another day on the practice field for the team as they get closer and closer to preseason game number two against the Denver Broncos this Saturday, which is also the Kids' Day game. One o'clock kickoff, a rare afternoon, early afternoon yeah. kickoff for a Bills preseason game. So we look forward to that at the end of the week. Also getting ready for that, and reviewing notes from how preseason game number one went from a communication standpoint, from a performance standpoint, from a play call sheet standpoint, is Bill's offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, who addressed the media today. Is that to have a
2: couple opportunities to get in a two-minute situation, especially in preseason when you're evaluating the roster
3: right now? Uh, I think it's always helpful yeah anytime you get in that in a preseason situation one to it yeah exactly evaluate your roster and two for me and just calling it and those different situations because so many different things come up in the course of of those deals that uh, um, you know you really can't always predict you know so uh, it's and and then every week's going to change based off the defense so it's not like you're always calling the exact same thing you know it's going to be one thing one week, another thing the next week. So, you know, to constantly have to be kind of adjusting your thought process to one, the team you're playing, two, the situation, and three, kind of the flow of the game and what they're doing uh, well, is always great to kind of experience that before the regular season kicks off.
0: Upstairs for the blue and red practice, also for this preseason game last week. How has it felt up there, knowing you've spent a majority of your time yeah. on the sidelines? It's a much yeah, right? it's
3: definitely a different atmosphere. You know, you, the 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 vision and being able to see is obviously one thing, and then uh, um, you know, being able to kind of spread out and call it and everything. So um, there's definitely some some pros to it. The obviously the cons to it is not being able to be down there with the guys and and that that communication. So the trust of the coaches on the sideline to deliver um, kind of the feel of the guys. You know, the message that guys have. Um, what they're seeing on the field, you know, is is, is critical. So that, that communication is huge when you're up in the box. Flip it
0: this
3: week? We haven't, deci- yeah, we haven't decided on it yet, you know. So um, uh, the plan was too, but we'll we'll see. I don't, I don't you know, um, still kind of up in the air, to be all, perfectly honest. Do you feel
0: you've learned what you might need to learn about what it is to be upstairs at this point? Yeah, I I feel
3: like I got a really good feel of calling it from up there, you know, and and what it's like after, like you said, after basically two times doing it, Um, you know. So And then I've kind of got a little bit of a feel just from calling it in practice situations, you know, in in our call-up periods and stuff from from down on the field. So um, kind of – we're still so into training camp mode right now of next practice and then – obviously kind of getting ready for the next preseason game that haven't gotten to that step yet of deciding what to do in this, this game to be up or down. Um, you know, but, uh, but I feel like I've got a pretty good feel for, for both right now.
0: I think I remember you saying, first to you, it's easy to call plays when things are going well. It's, it's when things kind of hit, hit a wall that, that it becomes challenging.
2: In, in that vein, always want to be going well. Was there some benefit to maybe that middle portion late in the first half when things kinda of slow down with the offense and to help you learn how to adjust the
3: play calls. Yeah, I think uh, you know anytime you're in just different situations as a play caller, it's it's helpful. So um, I thought that was that was good for us. Um, you know how you how you battle through things, how you um, how you adjust as a as a play caller and, and uh um, to kind of get things going and, and uh we talk about all the time that no matter what it is, through the course of a season, through the course of the game, there's going to be highs and lows. It's just the key is staying steady and keep battling to get through it. And I thought the guys did a heck of a job of that.
2: And what were your impressions of uh, Matt and
3: Case's day on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, obviously there were some there were some good things and there were some things to improve on. So, um, you know, I thought uh, uh, both had some some really high marks and and both had some things we looked at and said, well, you know, we could get better here, you know, so. Um, I thought uh, I'm really happy with kind of the the steps that both these guys are taking and with the, the realization that it's preseason one and there's still there's still time to get better and still time to really kind of take that next step. And, you know, as we go, these next practices, you know, we're still in training camp competitive type modes uh, where we're going against our defense and it's not a carded kind of simulated look. So um, that evaluation process is still going for everybody on this roster. And, you um, I think that's that's the great part about our roster and how we do things is the competition is is uh, is great because of the, the depth that's been created.
0: Can you kinda yeah. outline where you are in are yeah. installs pretty much done? Or are we just refining now for the regular season or
3: is there still some install left to finish up here? Um, I think there's still a couple things. You know, I think we've got the bulk of of you know the bulk of our offense in. Um, there's still little things that hey You see something, you might want to tweak it, or you might want to add it, or um, based off of something you're doing. So there's there's always that kind of whether it's training camp or in season, you know there there's always those types of things, and I think it's good for the players to you know, one you're you're refining what you're doing, but also hey throw something new at them, um, you know see how they adjust to it, see what they can handle, and um, go out and do it just like you would during a season.
0: Was really good
3: and got kind of down the yeah. goal line. Um how much of that is scripting
0: and how, where are you on kind of three scripts going into a game
3: and does it change preseason or regular season? Yeah, I don't think it changes preseason or regular season. I think you go in and um I had a good idea of what I wanted to do, what I wanted to call as early calls. Um uh, to me the biggest the, the biggest factor of whether it's the first drive or the, the tenth drive of hey get the play in Nice and quick to them, so they got plenty of time. We're not getting breaking the huddle at 10 seconds, rushing the line, you know. And I think we did a good job of that in that first drive. The tempo was really good. The in and out of the huddle was really good. Substitutions were really good. Um, so I, I felt I felt great about just kind of where we were. And then obviously, you know, we just want to be able to finish that off in the end.
0: All right. So that's offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. One portion of his comments that we did not play for you there. Dealt with Khalil Shakir, and he basically said he did not believe Shakir had a single mental error in the entire preseason game. And he lined him up at multiple places through the course of the game. He said it's just very impressive to see a rookie be that on top of his stuff
1: this early in the game. Yeah, that's why he's a sharp tag. That's why Gabe Davis ascended and got on the field. Yeah. You know that's that's why it's hard, and I'll say this too: I, I, it's trite and it's a little bit, you know, redundant. I don't know what redundant trite I guess is. It's overdone stereotype that kids come out and you you got these kids growing up and they say I'll do anything to play in the NFL. I'll do anything. I mean, I'll, I'll and they, they will. They'll lift weights, run hard stuff, but they won't teach themselves by going to class how to learn in a classroom setting. Yeah. So you got guys like g- getting cut because they can't pick up the playbook, and you got guys like Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakir blossom because they can. Yep. You know, a cla- m- these players. It was tr- this was true in my era. Let alone now, these players now spend more time in meeting rooms watching film and in a classroom setting than they do on the football field, because the game is that developed and that intricate. They spend more time in the classroom, and you tell some of these guys coming out, and they you know they've been they've been the best player on their team since they were eight years old. Now they're now they're eighteen. Now they're twenty two, coming out of college, and they figure it's just going to keep going. They never had to sit and learn and fight to get better. Yeah, and they don't know how to do it. So, you get guys like Khalil Shakir, who he's, he tests okay physically. But, on, but in the classroom and all this other stuff that they're doing, he excels. So, when he comes in here, all of a sudden, he's light years ahead of, you know, guys like me who came in. And I was like, what? <laughs> well, what are we doing? Which sounds a lot like Terrell Bernard also. Yeah. You know? So, there's a
0: specific genotype that the Bills are looking for. They call it the DNA all the time. problem right? is that's now. That's an example of
1: it. Now other teams are going to start looking for it too. Well, and they'll be true. will be harder to find. The Giants are going to be doing it. Yeah. You know, and, you know, the, maybe the um, up until recently, the Panthers were doing it that, you know. So, yeah, it's it's real. It's yeah. real. You try and you, you're not just talking about skill sets that happen on the field. You're talking about skill sets that allow you to get there. Sitting in class, watching something on film, on tape, watching a guy write it on the right whiteboard looking at it on a piece of paper diagram, talking about yeah. it. trying getting yourself used to learning that way just set you apart, and some guys are good at it and some guys aren't. And it's clearly set Khalil Shakir apart
0: on the offensive side of the ball. Dorsey also said that he has not yet made a call on where he will be situated for the next preseason game on Saturday. They have to go over that with the coaching staff to determine whether he will be up in the coach's booth or try the sideline this time around. Uh, But he did say, as you heard him answer there the question that I asked, that he has – learned everything he needs to know about what it takes to call a game upstairs. So the question now is, will he go back downstairs and see which one he likes better? That remains to be seen. We'll probably get that answer at the end of the week.
1: Is what he learned upstairs better than what he knows about being better
0: for him, better for the offense, better for his play
1: call. Now they're going to make that judgment call.
0: Yeah. Those are all the things that they'll have to weigh out between now and the start of the regular season. Break time for us here When we come back, we will get some of your thoughts on the tweet sheet as we are asking you today, following preseason game number one, what's changed for the Bills in your mind? What's different now after that game that we didn't think was the case prior to? You can let us know on the tweet sheet. We'll get some of your thoughts next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Returns to Highmark Stadium as the Bills host the Broncos for their preseason matchup on August 20th. Presented by Fisher-Price. The Fisher-Price Junior tailgate kicks off at 9 a.m. in Lot 6. Bigger than ever, featuring a Power Wheels track, giant inflatables, a real fire truck, games, and more. Also, a limited quantity of Bills wristbands will be given out as a gate giveaway. Special concessions available this year, including popcorn, ice cream, cotton candy, snow cones, root beer, floats, and a kid's lunch deal Featuring a hot dog, chips, and a Capri Sun. Mobile ticketing as usual. Visit buffalobills.com slash kidsday for more information. A little bit of housekeeping from today's practice. We mentioned that Bruce Smith was here working with the young defensive ends on some pass rush techniques. Spent a lot of time with Greg Rousseau today. Vaughn Miller, not on hand. Missed his second practice. Excused for personal reasons, as he was on Sunday. Non-participants... Included Tommy Doyle, who suffered the foot injury in the preseason game last week. Players returning to practice from injury or tightness or something like that. Tavon Austin, Tyrell Dodson, Daquan Jones. That's your update there. Um, but what do you say we get to the tweet sheet, Steve? Let's go. Following preseason game number one, what has changed for the Bills? Tweet sheet brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. Josh says, We have a punter who kicked a ball that I'm not sure has hit the ground yet. That's yeah. what's different. You said it on the pregame telecast, Steve. Those are rare.
1: Yeah. That's a rare kick. He landed, he kicked it, well, with the snap back and stuff. He kicked it about 82 yards in the air, but because of the line of scrimmage, they take that off the length of the kick and it landed on the nine-yard line when he kicked it. He kicked it from about the nine-yard line. And (laughs) it ended up being a net, well, a net, or no, a gross 82, net 62. So he kicks it from what? Right there. He kicks it from the eight-yard line, and it lands literally, well, at the 11, I guess. So, you know, he kicked it 80 yards in the air. From the where it left his foot. Mm-hmm. But it counts as an 82-yard gross punt, 62 net coming out to the 20. It was unbelievable.
0: I tweeted it. My favorite part about the whole damn play was watching Dallas Flowers, the return man, scramble like, like a center fielder who had misjudged a line drive. Yeah. He, it's like, oh, crap, that's over my head. He got bailed out by the fact that it
1: did reach the end zone because if it didn't, look at, that dude I'll say was this. screwed. It was like two yards deep. I mean, it bounced, 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 but it stopped on its own, and it stopped only like a couple of yards deep in the end zone. So, you—if they wouldn't have—if they would have taken a five-yard loss on the play before that, and he hits that kick, it's a net. It's a net eighty-five-yard punt. Yeah. That sets you up for a couple of weeks, man. Right there. I'm telling
0: you though, that thing doesn't reach the end zone. Dallas Flowers is screwed. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, but I mean... First, he's
0: got to get to the ball.
1: He backs up a little, turns his hips and, and runs. He, and then and then it's like the oh, crap moment. And I'll say this, too. There's a lot of conversation, both in f- fans and also in football, in the football world, in coaching offices and coaching meetings and players and locker rooms. They talk about this a lot. What's What do you want a punter to do? Do you want him to rocket one out like that? Certainly, it's fun to watch. 82 and 62-yard net. Yeah, you'll take that all day, every day. But in a real world when it's going to be a little bit less than that or a little bit different than that, do you want the guy to put the ball up in the air? That ball, the reason that guy couldn't field that punt, Brownie, was because it was getting there so fast. He turned his hips and ran. The ball was past him. So he couldn't even get back to field it. Now you can say, well, what if he lined up different, uh, deeper? Yeah, maybe. But the ball was in the air like nothing. It was like up and down quick. It was a line shot, a rocket. And there's pluses and minuses of that. If the guy catches that on the fly, that's not a 62-yard net punt. It's more like a 50-yard punt, and which is still great. But if he's got the ball and catches that after it goes 80 yards in the air and runs it back 30 yards and it's a net 50-yard punt, here's the problem. You say, well, net 50-yard, that's great. That's because you've never had to chase the guy down for that 30 yards. What if I miss a tackle and he goes the distance? Then who cares if your boy hit an 82 yard? more yarder. space for him to operate, yeah. It ain't easy to track those guys. They put those guys back there catching punts because they're they're pretty good. I chased a bunch of them in my life. Yeah, They put those guys back there because they're special. I want no part of that if I'm covering that. I want a fat guy back there. <laughs> I want a fat, slow, short guy awesome. who can't run. How awesome would it be in the preseason just for goofs if somebody put like a big old lineman I, back now, there? Any, anybody I say now is going to be construed as that. That's not what I'm saying. But you know, you put some guy. I fine. Put a put a guy who can't run back there. They don't do that. Yeah. So if you're going to let the guy catch it with me chasing him, and I'm already 15, 20 yards away from, him, I'm running. I'm on my horse, hitting him with a riding crop, trying to get there fast. And he got the ball coming at me, and we got like a, an open field between us. I, you know, I don't want that. I might give up a touchdown. Yeah. You don't give up a touchdown when the guy's waving his head over his hand, his hand over his head, calling for a fair catch. You'll never get up a touchdown doing that, right? Right. So there's the philosophy difference you've got. Do you have a guy like Matt Ariza spanking one 82 yards once in a while? But then once in a while he hits a wobbler 33 yards and it's and it's got zero hang time. There, that's a problem. That's a problem. Now can Matt Hawk hit it 45 yards with 5.02 hang time and have three guys in the in, on your team standing around the guy when he catches it so he fair catches everything? Then you get an all the time net 45. That's world class. That's like better than anybody's ever done in the league. Mm. Now, can you do that? And then you never, not even once, give up any possibility that they're going to get a touchdown out of it. There's the two-sided coins of it. Matt, I mean, I, now Matt Ariza, even on me, I was like, I was kind of, you know, I kind of got goose pimples watching that punt. It was like fun. I get it. So there's some of that in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on it. But you know, there's two sides of that coin, and you know, you got to have a conversation about it. Or can he control his
0: distance where he doesn't outkick his coverage? Like maybe he just hits it ninety-two
1: percent instead of a hundred. Yeah, well, yeah, how good is he? You know, can he kick now? Can, can he, he also gauge it and and scale it back? Can he can he spank one outside the numbers and do that? You know, yeah. can he put it high and short? Can he tumble Cough it in, in there? Corner. Can he yeah? Can you do that or not? And if you can, how often can you do it? One hundred percent of the time or like yeah. 30% well, of the Well, these time. are the
0: things they're trying to find out about. That's him, right. So there's sure. a lot of
1: questions now. Yeah. Certainly, the guy proven once and for all, he's got all the leg you're ever going to need. Yep. Yeah. All right. There's one There's so one. So that's, there's that's one box. There's your jumping off point. Yeah, there's a box Now checked. what else can he do? Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's see if you can check the rest right. of them.
0: Break time for us here. Speaking of rookies, rookie linebackers, Terrell Bernard and Balin Spector, address the media after practice today. We're going to bring you some of their comments to you Next, here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio.
3: Taster, touchdown, Buffalo. And it's Steve Taster who has been all
0: over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual role player for you. Steve! A Steve! A blimp? <laughs> We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. All right, here we are, hour number two. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you as we get set for, well, to hear from the linebacker, Steve. Both rookie linebackers, Terrell Bernard and Balin Specter, had good debut performances in their first preseason game last week for the Bills and they both addressed the media after practice today we begin with the third round pick Terrell Bernard so here he is addressing the media after Tuesday's practice now that you have
2: uh, one preseason game under your belt um, how are you approaching practices this week leading into your second preseason game is there anything you're focusing on in specifics
4: yeah, I think, you know, just details of the defense and really understanding my assignment and then, you know, every everybody else's assignment around me. Um, you know, you really get to see kind of what you don't know during a game. Uh so, you know, it was a good opportunity for me to learn and then, you know, come out here and correct some things.
2: What did you learn that you didn't know?
4: <laughs> uh really just the deep that's what I was talking about. Really just the details of the defense. Um not just knowing what I have, but expecting, you know, what the offense is trying to attack and what calls we're in, the situation, things like that. Uh, so, you know, experience uh, always helps with that. So learning and growing every day. You
1: were known as a cover linebacker, if you will, coming out of college. What's the difference covering tight ends at this level and covering tight ends at the last level?
4: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just athleticism. Uh, that's really one of the main things that sticks out to me, especially with tight ends. Um, You know, in college, you know, you can kind of get some big, slow guys, or you get smaller, just speedy guys. But you know, at this level, it's it's a combination of both. Um, So I think really just understanding leverage, um, understanding you know what they're what the offense is trying to attack. I think that's one thing that's that's really going to help me out.
2: Breaking down film, how you go through post game stuff and into practice next week. Is there any big differences from college football to the NFL?
4: Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it's it's football at the end of the day. Um, I feel like I have a, a solid process that I go through uh, daily and weekly. And, you know, coming in here, uh, doing the same thing that I did at Baylor and really just, you know, learning and uh, understanding, you know, obviously the offenses are a little bit different in the in the league compared to college. Um, so I think just understanding that and then, you know, changing my approach a little bit. But, you know, I'm sticking to, to what I know
2: of your size or being undersized for the position uh um, graphic. What would be your response to that now and how that plays a role in the way you're able to play here at the NFL level?
4: Uh, I mean yeah, it's kinda always been a thing. You know, I know that I'm undersized and I know, you know, what I have to do to work around that. Um, but, you know, coming in, you know, I get to model my game after guys that are, are similar size to me that are here right now um, so I think, you know, coming in and understanding what I'm good at and what I need to work on and then, you know, how to use, you know, my abilities uh, to, you know, really, really um, just take control over my game and, you know, what I can do. I think that's that's the main thing that I'm going to focus on. Have you
2: learned uh, you get around your size at the collegiate level? It was different here at the NFL level, obviously the size of a lot of players, even tight ends and whatnot, which big
4: yeah, I think uh, really your knowledge for the game, uh, instincts, and then understanding the playbook, and understanding you know your job, and just you know figuring out ways to get it done. Uh, I feel like that's something that I had to do through high school, through college, and then now in the NFL. Um, so you know, I'm just I'm just going to continue to do that. Yeah, it's been awesome. Matt and Tremaine and uh, Tyrell, you know, this is a very savvy uh, group that I have in my room. And, you know, I'm I'm lucky to be, you know, underneath those guys, uh, specifically with Matt. I think, you know, his knowledge for the game uh, and just kind of his instincts and how he how he handles himself, you know, in the box, outside of the box and coverage and then, you know, also blitzing. Uh, definitely taking a lot of a lot of tips from him, um, you know, at practice. And then, you know, in the game, he's coming over to me at the sidelines and, you know, giving me tips uh, on what to do better and what I could do. So, you know, definitely thankful for those guys.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's mutual. I mean,
4: he comes up to me sometimes and, you know, a lot of the times I'm going up to him and just asking his opinion and, you know, what he thinks about certain situations and stuff like that. How many times you the uh, I watched it a couple times I think you know one time right after the game and then you know obviously in the film room um, you know kind of kind of just a, a neat moment for myself you know just to you know do that in the first NFL game and you know kind of get some experience underneath my belt so I think I think it was a, a good opportunity for me <laughs> yeah a lot of those a lot of those yeah, it was awesome. Uh, you know, it felt like a video game. Uh, you know, you kind of you're there, and then all out of nowhere, you know, you see the ball pop up, and you know, you just take it. Uh, kind of got a little gas towards the end, the end of the run there. Um, but definitely, definitely a cool moment, and you know, something I'll I'll remember the rest of my life. What was
3: the reaction like in the room? Yeah, I mean,
4: uh, everybody was excited. Um, that's one of the things we talk about on defense is taking away, and then you know, scoring scoring the ball when you do take it away. Uh, So, obviously, you know, it was a a pretty cool moment.
2: Uh,
4: I think so. I mean, just getting a game underneath my belt makes me feel a little bit more uh, comfortable in general. Um, You know, obviously, a lot of things that we got to work on, specifically myself, that I got to work on. Uh, So, you know, coming out to practice and, you know, getting ready for next week.
5: You were gassed at the end of that play when Sean mentioned afterwards that you didn't want to sit out. Like, uh, the next uh, the teams, uh, part, yeah. take us through that transition and why you were so eager to get back out
4: there. I think just, you know, having as many opportunities to show what I can do. Um, you know, obviously I want to make the team. I'm a rookie coming in, so doing, you know, whatever it takes, uh, special teams, going back on defense, anything anything that I can do. Does it help
5: having a fellow rookie in your position group, learning things together the defense, stuff
4: like that? Yeah, definitely. You know, me and Baylin spent a lot of time together, um, learning the defense, obviously, and then, uh, you know just outside of football you know figuring stuff out and uh, you know I'm definitely thankful that that he's going through it with me and you know we're kind of kind of growing together what are your personality personality like? uh, Baylen? yeah Balin's a really you know calm dude uh, he's a he's a good person to be around um, you know he's he's become one of my good friends and somebody that I turn to a lot in you know difficult situations since I've been here so it's been really awesome to have him.
2: What are you looking forward to in this next preseason game.
4: Uh, just you know, completing my assignments and doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, obviously, going out there and making plays. But you know, at the end of the day, just playing fast, playing physical, and playing smart.
0: All right. So those are the thoughts of Terrell Bernard, especially after his big play, probably the biggest play in the game, 69-yard fumble return for a touchdown. Do you remember what you did in your first preseason game? That was the Hall of Fame game, wasn't it? Maybe yeah, it? I had a nice
1: kick, re- couple of nice kick return, kickoff returns. Okay. We played the New York Giants. It was in the Hall of Fame game. But yeah. you
0: remember that stuff, right? You'll <clears throat> remember this.
1: Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're gonna remember it. I remember. I was back to return the opening kickoff in the Hall of Fame game. I was. I caught it eight yards deep, and my teammates had to stop me from running it out because I was bringing it out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Spector. Nothing I mean, uh, to Bernard, lose. Bernard was is gonna return is is gonna remember this and and shoot. All of us will. That's awesome. I and mean, the guy might be a bill for 15 years. We don't know. Um, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's not nothing. And, uh, you did it against the number one offense, the Indianapolis Colts, right out of the gate for his NFL career. That's that's something.
0: How about the burst of Boogie Basham off the edge on that? We talked about Boogie changing his body composition in the off season. He told us last year he played around 268, 272. He's down to about 255, 258. And I remember we had A.J. Epinesa in the spring at the lectern addressing the media, and he said, You can see a difference in his get off. You saw it on that play. Yeah. He was out of that stance like
1: a shot. That's amazing you say that. We've been talking about Bernard picking this up and running in. Boogie is the playmaker. Yeah. And he that was th- a great rush off the right side. And he and it was it what that was not just a a tap got a piece of the ball. That was a whack.
0: Oh no, he knocked him into next Matt week. Matt Ryan.
1: Matt Ryan was like, "Ooh," you know, that was a hit. And Boogie, came, that was. You know, we forget about that, but uh, certainly, my I mean, he got him. And it was a great sack, strip, fumble. Oh, That's was the, that Foles? That might have been Foles. Oh, was a who? It, it was Nick Foles. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't Matt Ryan. It was Nick Foles. But it was Boogie. Yes. And that is a great play. Yep. Great play. And then Bernard
0: was just in the right place at the right time and then knew what to do when he scooped it up. So, yeah, good opening performance by him. His fellow rookie linebacker, you already heard, they spend a lot of time studying together to kind of master this playbook defensively. So, Balin Spector, who I think opened a lot of eyes of Bill's fans based on the callers we had on the show yesterday, is – has availed himself quite well in preseason game play. Can he do yeah. it again on Saturday? We'll find out, but in the meantime, here is Baylen Spector. Hey, how much does it help having a fellow rookie in that linebacker to kind of go through some of the learning curve and growing?
5: Pace again? It definitely helps uh, having TB, super hard worker, uh, smart player, so just like having him to ask questions, uh, to like be able to go to the veteran guys, both of us to like sit down, in the film room, like by ourselves, like outside, just like call each other up. Like, look, uh, we like share knowledge to each other, uh, just pick each other's brains. It helps a lot, but um, just understanding the scheme uh, and especially trying to learn all different positions. How did you
2: guys have that level comfort with each other? reaching out for
5: extra It was pretty quick. It was more just because I think it all like jumped on us so quick in the spring and then we were like, all right, like like to get this we're gonna have to work like work together and share what we know and uh, it came along pretty quick it's been good Uh, from spring to fall camp uh, to training camp it was it was good got like time to kind of like settle and then go back into it and like really dive deep and understand like the little details of the defense
2: now that you've had time to look at the film from the first preseason game how would you evaluate your first game out there
5: uh, it was good. There's a lot of things I can correct. A lot of like little small things, details, alignments uh, that I got to get better at. Um, and I'll continue to get better at and just understanding better situations. Um, things scheme wise, knowing who's around me, uh, knowing where my help is and uh, understanding, like I said, just the small details of the defense and going out there and executing that. Doing out here practices and doing it again next time I get the opportunity to play.
2: Anything in that game that felt like it was a big difference from college football since you were fin- finally out there getting some live reps?
5: Um, No, nothing crazy. It was still just football. Um, still get the call, still relay the message, still get everyone lined up, set the front. Um, it's 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 very similar, but it, it gets uh, adjusting to just a little bit of the speed of the game, especially from spring to now, but that's starting to slow down, and me and TB are doing a really good job. What um, about I mean, it's just, it's just football end of the day, nothing crazy. Like I said, we're just taking it day by day. We'll continue to get better at just the small things. What's that
2: linebacker group like? Like, how would you describe what the group uh, is?
5: It's, you it's like? great. I like our linebacker group a lot. Uh, all the veterans are super cool, super chill. Uh, they help you uh, with whatever it might be, if it's off the field or on the field, in the locker room. Uh, defense like scheme wise they'll answer any of the questions. Um, they're all there to help. I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. Is there off the field question you have like is
2: there been like is it more buffalo stuff or like anything uh, specific? Just more
5: just like things to do around buffalo things to do around buffalo, like what do you do, where do you go to eat, stuff, stuff like that, especially since we're new. Spot definite. Uh my favorite spot is definitely barbill Barbell? Yeah. Uh, the honey bar- Cajun honey barbecue. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean this
2: <laughs>
5: amount uh, of snow at all. like one or two inches of snow, nothing crazy. No. Um, haven't ha- haven't experienced a a big winter at all. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited.
2: Yeah, you got
5: time build up
2: to it. You like being a linebacker in this defense. This defense plays a lot of nickel, um, so there are some big responsibilities on the linebackers when they're in there. Why do you like playing in a type of defense like this?
5: Um, it was very similar to what I had in college. Uh, I enjoy being able to make the calls, like understanding like who's with me, um, understanding D-lines, fronts, stuff like that, how things change on the snap, formations, um, just being able to play uh, a lot of my college schemes like in Clemson was super complex. We had a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, here, you're you're able to play your game and uh, like still be able to control the defense, make calls. Play
2: in the last game is it your turn on on Saturday afternoon against Broncos? It's all of our
5: turns. We're we're continuing to make plays. All the linebackers, someone will get one soon. And uh, yeah, I was super excited to watch TV though. That was that was awesome. First game, first a touchdown. That was that was awesome. Would
0: have played one game against James Cook, correct? Yeah. What was that
5: like for you? Preparing uh, for him last year? Uh we knew they were a very, very good team uh coming coming back. Um they knew we they would be very just physical downhill. Uh him and the other guy other running back they had would be a good duo. Um it was good preparing for both of them. Um we just at Clemson we just try to focus on what we could do. Like during the game, seeing yeah. him on the field playing and now seeing him out here, obviously. It's the same player, super fast, uh, great out in space, catch the ball, can make plays, uh, like, very similar.
0: All right, so that's Baylen Specter. I know he hasn't really spoken in training camp yet, so that's your first exposure to him, Bills fans, at the podium. And uh,
1: Both he and Bernard seem like the same. Guy. They
0: sound, I was just going to say, they sound very similar. Yeah. Same commitment to craft. Um, so, and they clearly appreciate having a, a fellow draft classmate at their position group, cause they can kind of huddle up and ask vets questions together, you know, learn some things, kind of make sure about something, Hey, am I seeing this, right? Am I supposed to right. l- see it this way? That kind of thing. You get confirmation from the vets and it just kind of
1: makes the learning curve that much shorter. Yeah. I, it's interesting that, you know, so many of these guys, and maybe it's what we notice, but they're, they're so instinctive. You know, they just run to the football so hard. Uh, they play in traffic up inside really well. Uh, they, they seem to communicate really well, be all in it. They have the right attitude. And, you know, they, they make plays you kind of think, wow, yeah, that guy's supposed to make that play, right? They never, they're, they're never not where they're supposed to be, you know. If you expect him to be there, or if you see the play happen, you think, well, where's the, you know, there he is. Um, Particularly one of those lines, we showed it just on a highlight, one of the the plays that Specter made. Slid down the line, stepped up, and it looked like the play was going to bust through, and all of a sudden he was there. No gain or a loss of one. Mm -hmm. It's exactly how you think it should be played, you know, and we've seen seen it classically. So, um, both these young players have played really well and we've talked about how the draft class has flashed and you know brings us to you know to our Twitter poll you know what's changed now what do we do now what do we now what are we looking at in this week 2 matchup we're going to go see how Josh and these guys play i don't know if you want to go that far but it seems like this first game of the preseason was a very big confirmation of everything you and I have been talking about for a few weeks these young players can really play it's going to be a hard team to make
0: Right. And once they start game planning, which, you know, really doesn't happen in full force until the regular season, does that change anything for them? I would anticipate it does not. So we'll we'll have to see how they progress through the next couple of games. They will get playing time as young guys. So that'll be very
1: interesting yeah, that's, to witness. That's one thing too, as a coaching staff you kinda you got to evaluate how they play. No question about it. It seems obvious, but think about it. If you're on the 53 man roster in the NFL, you're going to play. You're going to play. They need, and not only are you going to play, they need you to play well when you're in there. This, those games count. You know, you may be inactive for a stretch. AJ Panessa started his career inactive for two weeks, but now, now he's in. Same thing with with Boogie Basham. You bounce back and forth between active this week and inactive the next week, active this week, active the next week. When they get activated, they're going to get on the field. And you, you, the coaching staff has to know what they're getting when you get on the field. There's no, like, sitting at the end of the bench, not participating. You're a contributor, and they, they've they got things they need you to do on game day. the it's so different than it was back in the old, you know, back in the 60s when the, the rosters were like 36 guys and there were 42 guys and there were 45 guys. Now there're 47 guys on game day with 53 act 53 on the roster. Yep. You've got guys that are specialized that have certain roles, certain things they need to do. And on game day, coaching staffs, head coaches and GMs you of the 47 guys you've got active, all of them have to do something. Nobody gets to sit and watch anymore, except maybe your backup quarterback. And even he has responsibilities during the game. I mean, you everybody on that sideline is maximizing their role on game day to try and win. Not just, the you know, the starting quarterback's got to play well. No. The quality control guys up in the booth behind the offensive coordinator got to be on it. They got to be giving him information that he's asking for, you know, the third wide receiver has got to go in on when the punt is inside our 40-yard line because you got to have him back there to help field the punt that these guys try. All this stuff is on there, and, and they put these guys out there in these situations, and they put them out there as these starting role guys in a preseason game. So that's the lion's share of their contribution. But in the regular season, that guy may, may be covering six punts and be on punt return eight times. And then he's got to come over and have conversations with Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, about what they're seeing and what their offense is doing. So all these guys have these hu- these roles on game day that go far beyond sitting there watching watching the game. And all these games are – they're trying to find all this out of where this – can you – they're looking at Baylor and Spector going, all right, are you going to be on the ball enough to know when Tremaine comes off the field and says, hey, what'd they do on this da 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 Are you going to be able to say, here's what they were doing? Are you that guy? Yeah. You know, and it's hard. It's not easy. Number one thing that coaches
0: value more than anything else, maybe in football more than any other sport can I trust you out there? Right. Absolutely. Can I trust you to execute your assignment and that you'll know what you're looking at so you know how to perform? And because football is such a scripted sport, there are hard and fast answers and they're trusting that you can have those answers in the snap of a finger. So your athletic ability can take over and you can go play. So if you can build a level of trust with your coaching staff, you're going to get on the field. And I think too often young players with tremendous athletic gifts don't value that enough And realize that's ultimately what keeps them on the field. Putting the trust in your coach that you know what you're doing and you're going to execute it every single time you have an opportunity to do so. And that's the difference. we got to take a break here. When we come back, more of your thoughts on the tweet sheet. Since preseason game one, what has changed for the Bills? You can tell us on the tweet sheet or give us a call, 803-0550. But we'll get to more of your comments And we'll also tell you about a former Bills quarterback who is going to get some preseason game snaps with his club's first-team offense. Who is it? We'll tell you when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. It's summer and Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, wants us all thinking about sun defense. Coach is passionate about skin cancer prevention as it runs in his family. He takes sun protection very seriously. Most importantly, of course, is wearing sunscreen. Right now, you can stop by your local Wegmans for all your sun protection needs. Wegmans will donate $1 for every Wegmans sunscreen product sold through August 31st in their Buffalo, Rochester, and Syracuse stores. It's a great way to protect your family and help fight against skin cancer And think Sun defense like Bills head coach Sean McDermott. Wanted to get back to the tweet sheet where we got some of your thoughts on essentially what has changed for the Bills since preseason game number one has been played and filed away. And we go back to Christopher who says seeing the defensive backfield depth go up against very solid receivers and a former NFL MVP. I don't think they'd have rushed Trey and Poyer back anyway, but seeing the Rooks and last year's backups more than hold their own, the coaches can rest a little bit easier. What do you think about that thought? Do you think the coaches feel a little bit better now, knowing they don't? They may or may not have Tredavious White? At the start of the season, do you think oh, they feel think a little so. bit more encouraged about their depth at corner?
1: I think so. Now they've they've seen these guys play well against their own people, but you start to play defense a little better when you see these guys every day, every day, every day, um, doing it against the Colts guys, and Matt Ryan throwing it. Certainly, the Colts aren't playing at a high level either at this point of the preseason. But you've got to feel good about what the young guys did in the defensive backfield. I mean, we—I was—the first two series of the game were stopped, one by Kair Elam on a pass breakup, and the other by Christian Benford. Benford on the other side. Both of them had a pass breakup to, to end a drive. The so it was, it was impressive. So that's got to make them feel good uh, about those guys out there. Plus, that's not even Dane, Dane Jackson's the guy that's you know has started games for him played really well um so there you go i mean that's that's four guys right there that are right now playing at a high level or or at least two young guys that you know can play at a high level and the two veteran guys you've seen play at a high level so yeah you got to feel really good about that plus you know you throw you know the rest of the corners in there that they've got on the roster and they you know with taron and all of them so yeah, I'm I'm all about – I agree. I, I, I do think that the coaching staff has got to feel really good about where they're sitting now with their defensive backfield depth.
0: And not for nothing, Jaquan Johnson had a pick in the game, played a pretty solid game too. So, you know, there's more depth in your defensive backfield with Jordan Poyer out right now. So, just things to uh, be encouraged by for sure. So, that's kind of where that sits. Andrew says – Our backup players versus their starters in the beginning. They played very well, and it showed that they can hang in there at the top. It's going to be very difficult making the personnel choices for Brandon Bean and Coach McDermott. Yeah, I think that goes without saying. We knew going in it was a relatively deep roster. It might be even a deeper one after what we've witnessed at training camp and in the first preseason game. Naturally, we all hope that continues. But, I mean, I was talking about it with Josh Reed on the show yesterday, Steve, they're too deep is pretty talented like it's not just like they've got 11 guys on offense and should 11 have, guys on defense.
1: Should we have the conversation about the Bills current too deep. Yeah. Would the second team be better than a number of the drought teams? Um I'd probably have to go
0: player by player to make an accurate assessment. It, I'll but tell you what, it's, a coin, a, it's a coin flip. There's a couple of teams
1: that they might have an argument. It's a coin flip for yeah. some of them. Not, not all of them, obviously. Some no. of them are better. But there's a couple of teams in the drought that you could flip a coin and this two would beat them. I would say
0: definitely better than the 01 Bills who went 3-13. and Now, granted, that was off a salary cap purge year. I mean, that team was playing with 24 legitimate NFL players. Maybe I mean the
1: other half were pretty right. much gone two years right. later, so so they're probably better than that group, so yeah, they do have some they do have some guys behind these ones that are really productive and got a chance to play really well um, you know, and it's always that thing you hope you never need them, but they're there uh-huh. um, and it's how, how, good, how much are they going to be able to contribute? I thought – I said this on the air. Jaquan Johnson, I loved his interception. Certainly the ball was overthrown. and He comes down with it. I like what happened after the interception. The guy's going to go. Yeah. He said, I'm not just going to catch this, slide down, say, all right, the guys take over. <laughs> I'm going. And I love that attitude. Uh, it's already a great play. Some guys are ready to, all right, you know, fine, let's get off the field. Make it the best play you can. You're a pro football player. Make the play that you're supposed to make. Right. And Jaquan Johnson was doing everything he could to do it. He wasn't satisfied. And I I like that. I mean, I thought for a minute he was going to get in. But the attitude of him doing that was huge. Was huge.
0: Buffalo Bills Super Bowl 47 champs. What is that? 57 champs. Fifty, yeah, 57 champs. I had to think about my Roman numerals for a second. Yeah. Um, Balin Spector is going to be a special player. All right. He certainly okay. had a nice performance on Saturday. There's no debating that. Let's see a little bit more before we, you know, put him on a Hall of Fame ballot. Yeah.
1: Spector had, let's see. He
0: had 10 tackles. Let me look. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, he had uh, he had.
1: Four tackles, five assists. Oh, I'm
0: thinking of Bernard. Bernard had ten tackles.
1: Yeah, Bernard had. Uh, this only. This doesn't have Bernard for ten. But this has Bernard for two tackles. Oh, I think. Who the hell am I thinking minute, of? Maybe I'm.
0: Who am I thinking of? It. Did you go to the NFL, Jesus? T- who did? Yeah, Spectre did have ten tackles. I was right.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: he was very active. Oh, he had
1: he had ten tackles because one of them was on special teams. Yeah. Which is good. So,
0: so yeah. He performed admirably. There's no question about it. So I get why Buffalo Bills Super Bowl 47 champs is excited. 57 champs is excited. But it's one game. Let's let's hope it continues. And if it does, team's all the better for it.
1: Um, um, Bills had four sacks in the game. Mm-hmm. Andre Smith, Prince Emili. That's right. Quan Joseph and Boogie with a stra- s- sack-strip fumble trifecta, which was a trifecta. very nice. It was nice. That's a big play. That is an enormous play. When you start doing that, if you're Boogie Basham and the game rolls on, when you start doing that, if number one's and, – and because then the offense feels like it has to adjust you're forcing them to do different things for the remainder of the game than they were able to do before you did that play you know what I mean mm-hmm. you think like Ken Dorsey's gonna say all right listen uh boogie, I mean uh, Devin' saying if it happened to bills you know he's saying hey Devin chip the end before you go out yeah you know, now you got you guys doing different things uh, because of that play so that was a that was an enormous play enormous play and I know we've been talking about Bernard but we got back to the point we've kind of brought Boogie back into it where he belonged. He's really the center piece of that play. Yeah.
0: Chris on the tweet sheet says the D line is getting penetration and hasn't the past two seasons. This will lead to more sacks from the edge, more ability for linebackers to make plays, and less time DBs need to cover, all leading to more stops and turnovers. Yes, 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 and yes. You're 100% right, Chris.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes, please.
0: And that's why. Back in the spring, after the free agency period was over, I said, the thing I'm most excited about on this entire team is not the offense, it's not the draft choices, it's those big old beasts that they got for the defensive interior, because they changed the entire conversation on defense, for the reasons that Chris just
1: stated. Jordan Phillips, I saw him do it during training camp, he... He has the ability, even his size, to get into the gap and get through there and, re- and get on the edge of the offensive lineman where they can't get in front of him and stop him, they have to do it from the side, and that's almost impossible for a 330 guy.
0: And you saw Tim Settle rocking people back at the beginning yeah, of that game yeah, too. I,
1: I, I thought it was unbelievable. Yeah, the, um, <laughs> Look at the first two plays of the Colt game and watch Tim Settle. Takes a Pro Bowl center, and Ryan center.
0: Kelly, and a Pro Bowl guard in Quentin Nelson. And he's bull rushing them into Matt
1: Ryan's lap. He's yeah, he that was a state there was a couple of statement plays right off the top. Yeah. Uh right off the top. He comes off and I mean he just I mean he's three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, Tim Suttle was The yeah, penguin. He was yeah. He was waddling it up. It was man. great. It was really good. So yeah,
0: he played well also. Very yeah, encouraging. Connor says, I think the biggest change is the defensive line play. Guys like Tim Settle, Boogie Basham, look great during preseason game one. Settle was blowing through the Colts starting O-line, as we just pointed out. Bills need to get pressure on the QB, and it starts with the D-line. Go Bills. Jeremy says, not that we ever had bad depth, but the strength of our depth has, has improved. The backups held their own against the Colts starters, and it was impressive. That's not the first time I heard that. There were a lot of people that yeah. came away from the preseason opener saying, wow, our twos held their own against their starters. Now, they didn't yeah. have Jonathan Taylor in the game.
1: And I, and it is the first preseason game. and you There is no f- game planning. There is no game planning, and the Colts are going to be a much better football team offensively than they looked like that night. But you would expect that the Bills are going to be vastly different when they do game plan on defense, and they've got virtually 11 different guys up front Um, to start the game. But, yeah, let's not read too much into this. Certainly the Bills played well. Certainly it reflects well on their depth that they played and physically held their own against the Colts, even the young guys on the edges of the defense and the secondary. uh, The young linebackers were good in the run game. They they did a lot of things extremely well defensively. Uh, Offensively, not so much. I mean, the Bills have got some work to do. But – I yeah it's it's pretty encouraging you would expect it to be a little bit encouraging given the expectations of the club and what they've done in the free agency even off on paper the bills twos look proven at least to a certain extent not not like proven stars but certainly proven to be able to handle the NFL and that level of competition so I I don't want to start jumping up and down and saying this game proves that the Bills are the deepest team in the league and they're going to go out and it's all, it's all, you know, rainbow and sunshine and sprinkles. But it was good. Yeah, It was good. We told you that we'd let you in on what former Bills
0: quarterback is going to get first team reps with his team now. That is one Tyrod Taylor who will get preseason first team game reps with his Giants starting offense. Ryan Dable insists it is no knock on Daniel Jones in the way he has performed through the course of training camp in the preseason. He said it was the plan all along. But Tyrod getting a shot this coming week. We break here. When we come back, we tell you famous people and August 16th. It's a pretty interesting list. We'll share it with you next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. so, Steve, today is August 16th. You probably saw on the news it is the anniversary of the passing of one Elvis Presley. There are two other huge, hugely famous people who also passed on this date. Do you happen to know who they are? I do not. Aretha Franklin and Babe Ruth. Really? Elvis Presley, Aretha Franklin, Babe Ruth all passed on August 16th. That's pretty crazy. Like, that is a top... That's Flight of, list. Yeah, that's quite the quite the trifecta there. That, Yeah. Pretty amazing, huh? That is kind of amazing. I, it's just a random day in August, but there it is. Uh, wow. English Premier League, Steve, there's controversy. Uh-oh. West Ham is suing their stadium owners over beer prices. They have no control of the pricing. Their fans are irate because pints of beer are too much money. Right. They're threatening to sue the stadium to get the prices back down. For their fans
1: well there you go it's, what you'll
0: do for a beer
1: what a world we'll a see world you tomorrow you at in.
0: one